Financial news. Yes, folks, on Thursdays, we do it a little early. We do it at 7 a.m. That is because one of my multimillionaires needs to do our interview at 7.30. So I believe it's important to get you the daily financial news first. So I make sure I get up just a little bit earlier on Thursdays so that I can do the work and bring you the daily financial news. As we get started with the day, we've got four more people to congratulate. Again, four folks who have done the work. Uh, they've written the offers. They got the deal done. So let's congratulate them. Scott, congratulations. Philip, congratulations. Eli, congratulations. And Kevin, congratulations. Folks, your cards will go out in the mail later today. Uh, I want to congratulate you for letting me know. If one rental at a time has helped you in any way, come be a part of our 500 challenge so that uh, you can help make a large donation to a food bank. You can see me dye my hair purple. And we could just have some fun knowing that one rental at a time is helping more and more people. Let's not forget that in order for us to hit my lifetime goal of helping a million people, I will need your help. Uh, we will need the YouTube channel to grow. I will need you to share videos that you enjoy, you like. Uh, feel free to ask questions, make recommendations on other interviews. Let's get one rental at a time on other podcasts so that we can reach new audiences. Like, subscribe, share, continue to be awesome and very helpful. Thank you. The one rental at a time community is uh, just wonderful. So I thank you for that every day. Uh, as we look at the daily financial news, again, remember tomorrow the market is closed. So today is the last trading day before Christmas. Uh, it does look like the bounce continues. I checked just briefly uh, this morning. A um, couple of things that kind of caught my attention. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but we have once again extended the student loan um, payments. Uh, it was originally started to, I think it was originally coming back on February 1st. Now it is May 1st. Uh, student loan payments, what, over a year now? 18 months? Something of that nature? Uh, you know, I think I shared earlier in the week that I think we need to revisit how student loans are done. Uh, I see a lot of shenanigans and just bad decisions going on. Pretty much like the 06, 07 mortgages. Everybody rushed in, no qualifications, no business case, nothing going on. A lot of these loans are, a lot of these loans should go bad, but uh, I don't think you can discharge student loans very easily via bankruptcy. So something needs to go on. We need to fix this going forward. Um, that said, you took on the debt, you're an adult. I don't know, it's, it's kind of a messy situation, but I think we do need to address it going forward so we can stop, we can stop people from taking out $200,000 in debt to get a 50K job. That is, that's just not a good ROI, both in time and dollars, and we need to stop that uh, going forward. Weekly unemployment claims, this is something we've talked about every Thursday morning for almost two years now. Uh, they are well below pre-pandemic levels. We are baselining 205. Uh, I think the low was 181. Uh, anything below 250, 250,000 claims is actually below pre-pandemic levels. So again, the job market is really solid. Reading some stuff from more uh, economic laureates. Uh, this one here is from Lawrence Summer, Summers. Excuse me, Summers. Uh, he is talking about... 
repeating the sins of the 1970s. Yes, folks, he is now talking about the 1970s as the best corollary or example. I brought you that six months ago in my 50 years of research. Uh, he is agreeing with me that um, he fears, his fears are that the inflation genie is out of the bottle. Uh, we have a lot more pain ahead, meaning it hasn't slowed down. And the only way to beat inflation is to cause a recession. Now, Lawrence Summers thinks that the recession is in 2023, not as early as I thought in 2022. Yeah, he's probably right. Maybe I'm a little too early. But again, he sees the way to break inflation is going to be letting the business cycle, a la a recession, do what recessions do. So kind of interesting. He really does think that stagflation is going to be uh, something that we suffer with uh, again in the 2020s. And uh, it's going to be a real problem for years to come. So this is this are some interesting things to kind of follow. Uh, U.S. inflation, we got the PCE reading this morning, personal consumption expenditures. This is the number that the Fed uses. It's not CPI or PPI, the ones that have been raging higher. But PCE, highest since July of 1982. That's not good. If you know anything about inflation in the early 80s, it was bad. It was really, really bad. So again, PCE, uh, just so you know, PCE, I think last month was in the low threes. It's now 4.7. The Fed has a problem and they know it. So this is interesting. In addition to inflation at 4.7%, we have wage inflation. Uh, incomes are up 4.8%, right? So just a tick over inflation. Basically, you are breaking even. This is the great sin of inflation, um, you know, people at the lower end of the spectrum, they get a wage, but it's gone. And actually, most of them are going backwards. Inflation is a tax. Inflation is something the politicians don't want to talk about because it hurts the people that they propose to help. You cause this helicopter money, too much money chasing too few goods. This was, this was, this was always coming. Consumer spending. This is one again that I told you was coming, but I'm scared of what's in Q1. Consumer spending is up 7.2%. Why? Well, just like I told you. The media has told us to shop early, spend early, drain our savings, because you're not going to be able to buy your kids toys for Christmas. That's what we were told. Guess what? You tell people there's no toilet paper or bottled water, what do they do? They run out and buy toilet paper and bottled water. We are going to have a gangbuster Q4 GDP print. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the balance sheet that we have been so thankful for with the consumer level will be significantly impaired. I'm just, the, the consumption that happens in Q4, while be impressive, means that we are draining Q1, Q2. So that's, yeah. I don't, I don't have great thoughts about the first half next year. Looks like we've gotten more data out of the Census Bureau. Uh, if you know, I've talked about San Francisco losing, California losing. Uh, we've, at least I've seen more data here in the last couple of days. Texas and Florida are growing. 
Texas, for example, saw 220,000 people move there. Austin was called out as a significant percentage gainer. This is why real estate in Texas has been on fire. You got a lot more people coming and not a, you're not building homes fast enough. California, Illinois, and New York shrank. California shrank the most at 367,000. Congratulations, Gavin Newsom. That is now two years in a row you shrunk California. Shame on you, buddy. Uh, again, the reasons why California, Illinois, and New York are shrinking, taxes, cost of living, and safety. Yeah, interesting. I've got some data about rents and wages. It is very interesting to see what cities where rents are up more than wages and reverse, what cities' wages are up more than rents? This was an interesting article to read. Would it shock you that Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona kind of leads the discrepancy? Rent is up 16.1%, while wages are up only 3.5%. Folks, if I was buying in Phoenix, Arizona today, which I am not, I am not, I am not, I would be very reluctant to assume that kind of uh, rent growth going forward. Uh, I think what we have seen or what I've experienced in my 21 years is, yes, you can have explosive growth in values or rent in a year, a la 16.1%. But if wages are only going up 3.5%, you are going to see it impossible for tenants to pay another 16%. So again, I'm not saying Phoenix is a bad market by any means. I'm just saying please do not assume you have another year of 16% growth. Uh, besides Phoenix, I got Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Uh, interestingly enough, rent is up 8.8%, while wages are up 2.8%. Kind of the same deal, right? Do not assume if you're buying an apartment building in Detroit, Michigan, for example, do yourself a favor, assume flat rent growth, uh, at, you know, maybe not year one, but year two, year three. We don't want to get caught uh, with unrealistic expectations. And then the final one where rent is increasing over wages, and again, it was a long list. I cherry-picked a couple of examples. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, 7.7% rent increase, while wages were up 3%. Now, we do have a couple examples where it is the reverse, which is really interesting. For example, rent in LA, Los Angeles, California. Rent was up 3.3%. Right, kind of moderate. Wages up 5.4%. Interesting. Could this be because, I don't know, population like we talked about leaving? Don't know. New York, New York, rent negative, rent down 2.8%, while wages are up 2.3%. Folks, we seemingly have clearer and clearer examples where there's been a shift in population. The population shifts a lot faster than construction. And when you own property in a market that is growing, when construction can't keep up, you could have impressive rent growth like Phoenix, Arizona at 16.1%.
couple of things about 2022. I'm already starting to look ahead. Looks like the retail sector uh, is actually looking to grow. Uh, they're Wayfair, Dollar General, Dick Sporting Goods, Five Below, Tractor Supply, and likely many, many more are actually looking to add stores starting in 2022. Uh, 2020 and 2021 have been the years of kind of retreat, uh, but 2022, it looks like more and more people are going to be stepping on the gas and trying to fill the void or vacuum. Uh, again, Wayfair, Dollar General, Dick Sporting Goods, Five Below, and Tractor Supply all are looking to add stores or said they're adding stores in 2022. Then lastly, there's a, a, a financial analyst that always puts out a year-end or a next-year surprises. These are all crazy surprises that he calls. His name is Doug Cass, K-A-S-S. Uh, I always read it. It's always fun. I started reading this 15 years ago. And they're always kind of some of them he puts out there are just like, wow, how'd you get there? But I wrote down three of them. This current list is 15 long. I took three of them. He created a term called slugflation. Not stagflation, but slugflation. He thinks slugflation will be the 2022, and I'm like, that's creative. I like it. Slugflation obviously stands for sluggish economic growth versus stagnant and stagflation. Sluggish growth with high inflation, hence slugflation. I thought that was creative. Uh, he also called out Jerome Powell becoming Paul Volcker-like, uh, having to raise in the face of a sluggish economy. And again, I, I actually, Dougie, called that one first, buddy, about three weeks ago. I do think Powell is going to have to become Volcker-like to break the back of inflation. It is getting bad. See the PCE conversation from earlier. And then funny, Doug Cass actually comes out and says gold will have its day. Right, gold has been pretty flat. Actually, is gold negative for the year? I did I didn't look, but it's pretty flat. Uh, while other assets are up, so uh, Dougie is calling for uh, gold to have its time. So, in the end, folks, I want you to have an amazing day. It is December twenty third. It's Thursday. We will be talking with Jonathan Twomley and the three amigos today, all for you. Have a wonderful day. Remember, I need your help. If we're going to help a million people. I need you to subscribe, like, and share these videos. Sharing videos, just you. If you right there, right there. If you can share one of my videos today, you will have no idea how helpful that would be. So find a video you like. I will commit to getting you three, four, five new videos a day. If you share one of my videos a day, you right there, we can blow this up and start helping a million people much, much sooner. So take care of yourself. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.